When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Going forward at full speed. We are, and Judd's already complaining about not being able to find the Twins game today. Oh, Too hard to log no, into Facebook.com. Don't have to watch that crap now. Don't have to put up with that anymore. Would you be like, you would have to put up with it if it was on traditional yeah, TV? Yeah, I'd probably feel obligated to watch it. Why? What's the difference? <laughs> this way I could purposely miss it. That way I'd go home and turn it on and torture myself. They hear all of the coming up on Fox Sports North. Robbie Grossman had a great game, and by the way, the team sucks. Do you think they run Anatomy of a Trade opposite the Twins ball game? <laughs> I've never seen that one. What's that about? That's that uh, the Burt Blylevin thing. Yeah, it's great. Actually, we need one of those pitch grip sessions with Lance Lynn. I think I think that's next in order. Max Scherzer, <laughs> Justin Verlander, and let Lance Lynn. <laughs> How what are the pitches the he threw to Lester the other day? <laughs> maybe you hold the ball. Maybe FSN needs to bring back the instructionals and just bring out the actual tin Twins player to show <laughs> yeah, them how to do things. Exactly. Have them sit and watch <laughs> yes. Smalley. Here's how you feel the ball, you dummies. I used to love when they'd run Ron Coomer down there. It's like 98 degrees in August, and Ron's just sweating out of his FSN yes. golf shirt. <laughs> He's got to be the first baseman while Bert shows us the pickoff move. Yeah. <laughs> That's ding, right. ding. Dismissed. Stop to go to the lane. To Tolliver for the long gun. He nails another. What a night for Anthony Tolliver. Listen, we've been asking for three and D guys, right? Three and D guys. We got a three and D guy, Anthony Tolliver. 40% yeah. three point shooter the last five years. Yeah. Sell this he to can me. switch and defend four positions. Mm-hmm. And uh, we feel underwhelmed. What did we expect? We got a three and D guy. What did you expect? Uh, I expected nothing. I was not surprised. And. Uh, I um, This has been, as far as the, the Wild and Wolves go, when you have no cash to spend, essentially, this is really no fun. It's no yeah, when fun. when you're spending like $15 want, million on Gorgie Jang, yes, you wind up with yes. Anthony Tolliver in free agency. I, I want my team to at least have the, have the ability to make lots of phone calls, e- even if you don't sign guys. This has been, between the Twins stinking and the Wild and Wolves being cash-strapped, July 1st, officially this year, stinks. I can't wait for training camp. I'm going to add a little bit more. Uh, this is going to be, you're going to want to maybe put earmuffs on if that's the way you feel because the Wolves spent more money on Anthony Tolliver yesterday yep. than the Warriors spent on DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah. Can we? Um, <laughs> just going to throw that out there. Can we? Can we please? Can we please get past the fake outrage, though, about Boogie going to Golden State. Yeah, let's go down this path. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Here's my my overwhelming thought process. Boogie, Boogie, who's hurt and is coming off a torn Achilles, which means I don't know when, when he's going to come back and play. But Boogie is uh, was looking at teams, and according to his people, 
teams weren't calling. He was down to Boston and Golden State. Mm-hmm. So, like, this notion that, oh, my God, he went to Golden State, he picked Golden State. Well, number one, it's a smart move. Number two, if you are an NBA fan and you're a Wolves fan and you're mad right now, I've got one thing to say to you. Your team should be better. Make your team, if you're the Wolf, if you're the Wolves, like before we get all upset about how can Golden State be so, this isn't fair. Yes, number one, it's very fair. It's a salary cap league. They're operating within the constraints of a salary cap league. So this is not baseball where they can go absolutely cr- crazy. They are operating as they are supposed to in, in a league where everyone has the same type of cap. But number two, your team should be better. It's it's on your team. This is why, Phil. This is why we sit here and and complain and talk about Tibbs and the Wolves mentality and what they're doing because the Wolves need to be better if that's the case. And with Boogie, I don't even know. He might not even play. Are you saying that the that the Wolves should have signed Cousins or no? What are you no, saying? no. I no. I'm saying for everyone who gets upset and says this is blatantly unfair that that Golden State can do all of these things. Golden State appreciate them. They are incredibly well run. And guess what? A guy who has had some character concerns in the past, who is not being pursued by teams, identified a couple of really strong infrastructure teams in the Celtics and Golden State and made some phone calls. And Golden State said, sure, join us. We can absorb you without being concerned that your character is going to cause us problems. So the point being is for everyone moaning and complaining about Golden State, I appreciate them, and I look at a team like the Wolves and get frustrated because I, I say this is a franchise that should be better. Can I say, though, it is kind of lame. If a team has already established itself as a championship team and you're one of the top 20 players in the NBA, and, I, and Cousins, who knows if he's going to be the same guy. coming? This is a big man coming off a torn Achilles tendon. So there's no guarantees that, what is he, six foot ten? Yeah, there's no, And he's a yes. big dude. There's no guarantees that he comes back as the same player. So I, I do agree that I think people are overreacting. It's not like he turned down a four-year max contract with someone so he could play for the taxpayer mid-level exception with the Warriors. But Absolutely. I do think it's a little lame that the Warriors built this thing. They won a championship. And then Kevin Durant comes over and says, oh, I'm going to join a team that has already won a championship. And then DeMarcus Cousins, with other options, there were... All kinds of other teams that would have given him either, I'm sure, the mid-level exception or even the taxpayers, the the $5 million taxpayer mid-level exception. And he chose such an easy path. If the choices were Boston or Golden State, I think it's fair to criticize him for not choosing the team that hasn't won three championships in the last four years. So on on the DeMarcus Cousins side, that annoys me. Like, I, go pick any other team that hasn't won a championship. Go pick the Rockets. I, pick I, any other team. I look, though, at the two teams that, that he identified himself and said, I, I will call those teams to see if they want me. And I say, why did he call those teams? And in both cases, though, it's because he looks at how they're run and who owns the team and who coaches the, the team and who plays for that team. Well, it's the easiest way for he me identifies to them. The- sure, but, but he also identifies them as incredibly strong teams. Boston, too. So, so I see what you're saying, but I'm just I'm getting really frustrated with everyone being mad at Golden State and being mad at really good teams. They're really good because they are incredibly well run franchises. Sure, like obviously the the Timberwolves chose Johnny Flynn over Steph Curry. Yes, or none of this would be happening in Golden State right now. So it's it, the butterfly effect. Ten years later is is obvious. I have I just appreciation think, I just think for it's, these teams. It's okay to rip Demarcus Cousins, just like it was okay to rip Kevin Durant. Like, dude, you're you're maybe the second best player in the NBA. 
You could choose any other option here. And I and I'm fine with player movement. I'm fine with super teams. I'm fine with LeBron going to the Lakers. I think it's lame that DeMarcus Cousins could have signed with any and, and it, it's not like his options were limited because he wanted $20 million. He's making $5 million. He could have signed anywhere and mm-hmm. if Boston was on the table, that that's kind of where I draw the line. But I did like, read dude, Come on. I did read a bunch of teams didn't didn't want to go near him cuz one he's been hurt and two He's got some character concerns as well. I think the Lakers wanted him, though. And so, so, but the point being is, I just think the reaction of fans right now about this is going to ruin this league. And all right, I'll tell you what I, I told you. Oh, we, we could go about this. 15 years ago, this league at times was damn near unwatchable. So before we get all up in arms about this league's going to become unwatchable and it's going to eat itself and it's going to die. This league is far better off in 2018 than it was circa 2003. Yeah, well, here's why that notion, and I've heard so many people, like I've been fighting with people in my Twitter timeline about this for 24 hours now. That, And, I, and our guy Reavers was shouting to the high heavens on Twitter last night. <laughs> like, if you think that player movement and super teams are ruining the NBA, A, you haven't been paying attention to the NBA the last, well, even the last 30 years. When the Lakers dominated the '80s and the and the Bulls dominated the '90s, like having a dynasty, people are people are mistaking. Oh, this team dominates the league with it's no longer interesting. In fact, it's been the most interesting when teams have dominated the league. The '90s Bulls. There was no doubt that the '90s Bulls were going to win championships. The Heat with LeBron, the most hated team in recent NBA history, all time peak post Jordan interest in the league. And I went back just for fun here, and I and I went back through multiple different measurements here. Fan interest is through the roof with the NBA right now. It's not like people are dropping off saying, oh, I'm sick of the Warriors. I'm sick of LeBron James. Worldwide, too. 14 teams, so half the league, sold out their arenas last year. Not like sold out a game. Sold out the season Mm -hmm. in the NBA. If you include TV ratings, last year was a four-year high on TNT and ESPN. Social media. A lot of people are consuming free agency and consuming clips and and bites on social media. The NBA is now lapping the NFL and all other leagues in this country in social media follows, engagement, Instagram, Twitter. And I went just for fun and pulled the top sports podcasts in the country right now, according to iTunes. Five of the top six sports podcasts are NBA-centric shows. So people are... All in intrigued by and large with this. And if you're anti NBA because of player movement and the Warriors being so dominant, yep. you're actually in the minority of sports fans. Like you're you're and you're, guess you, what? you may think that that everyone's jumping off the bandwagon. It's the opposite. And the fact that people hate Golden State is great for this league. It's good for business. It's absolutely and the other thing for everyone complaining, well, give it to Golden State. They've got this. No. Houston's still very, very good. LeBron's going to make L.A. relevant again and eventually probably very good. So all you need... Boston can win the championship so that's, next That's year. four teams. All right, so that's four teams. That's what you need. And and if if two of those teams are, are despised by fans, that's outstanding. So this is... Would you rather have four or five teams that, that have opportunities to win the championship and let's say two are despised, or would you prefer the era of... The San Antonio Spurs, who are really well run and coached but are nondescript, are playing the New Jersey Nets. Mm-hmm. And I would even, even though you would disagree with this, I'd rather take this where I know that I'm getting 
all kinds of superstars clashing and storylines. It's, it's it's intriguing to me over the randomness that oftentimes the NHL playoffs give you, where, oh my God, we might get a Winnipeg versus some other obscure team or franchise. I might get the San Jose Sharks in the in the Stanley Cup Finals or something. Like, that doesn't appeal as much to me as a LeBron Lakers versus Boston Celtics uh, third-generation yeah. rivalry. I think that's I think that's compelling. And millions and millions right. and millions of fans around the country would agree with that. This is incredibly well-run. The Timberwolves, are, the Timberwolves well on the, the other hand, are, are, are not. not. <laughs> and, and, and if you're a Wolves fan, you should not be mad at Golden State this morning. You should not be mad at the NBA. You should be mad at only one thing, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, be better. I believe, if my math is right here, because Anthony Tolliver is going to make just short of $6 million this season, that the Wolves are pretty much down to veteran minimum contracts. They are. So this is... They are. This was... That's correct. Their free agent move. Now, they could trade. Obviously, they could trade Andrew Wiggins, or they could trade the Gorgie Jang contract. Yeah. Uh, but right now, it's Taj, Gorgie, Cat, and Justin Patton as their big men. It's Butler, Wiggins, Okogie, the first-round pick, and Tolliver as the wings. And then it's Teague, Derrick Rose, and Tyus Jones. And the only question now is, where is Belly going to go and thrive? There's no Be- doubt that happens, Bielitz right? is going to go somewhere. He's going to be used. I don't think this means he's going to play an absolute ton, but I think he's going to play more, and I think he's going to go to a team that essentially gets him to knock down threes, and he's going to be on a playoff team, and we're all going to say, I saw that coming. He's going to go to like Utah or Denver. He could go to the Lakers and just stand in the corner and get LeBron James passives and, and shoot five threes Come a off game. the bench and hit threes. That's exactly what he's going yeah. to do. Uh, is going to come in here and hang out with us. He posed a fun question yesterday. I saw him tweeting about, uh, we'll, we'll get to a Vikings quarterback-related question with him. Packing order at 10 o'clock, and Jason Stark on this Tuesday at 11.30, and I know Judd's been glued to the World Cup the last few days. Oh, it's a big Sweden game. And a big Switzerland. match on the pitch today, right? This is a... Uh, it's a match. Whoa, whoa, it's a whoa, match on the whoa. pitch. It's not that big a deal? Well, it's a big deal in that it's the World Cup, it's the round of 16, it's right. the uh, elimination rounds, but neither of these two teams have a chance to, to win the whole thing. These are sacrificial lambs so for the you. Brazils and the, uh, the other powerhouses. Do you believe in miracles? Is that what the Swedish announcer is going to say at the <laughs> end of it? You never know what he might say. Uh, and we are watching the World Cup action, as always, on a TCL 55-inch Roku TV. In fact, our main engineer, Paul, just peeked his head in and said, guys, you're going to get the brand-new P-Series TCL TV during a commercial break. Probably not this one, because I'm sitting in here and the microphone light's on. But he's literally standing in the hallway with a brand-new TCL TV. We're going to get... The latest and greatest, the same TVs you can find inside any major local retailer in the Twin Cities. And you can find out for yourself why America's fastest growing TV brand is TCL. With 4,000 streaming channels built in with that built-in Roku device, which means 400 to 450,000 plus movies and TV show episodes. If you're a sports fan, it means Fox Sports Go, ESP, watch ESPN, ESPN+. Plus. Uh, you, so on one page, you get your cable satellite channels, whatever you subscribe to. And then on the next page, all your streaming channels. It's the best connected TV on the market. Again, any major local retailer or TCLUS.com. We now continue with more Mackie and Judd live from the TC. Basketball there. A little football little music. Football yes, music with a basketball highlight. Okay. We're revolutionary. 1500ESPN.com. You guys do a weekly show on Saturday, Saturday Sports Talk. So... I know you're a huge NBA fan, Collar. You uh, you are a man of all sports. It's not just football. 
many sports. A man of all sports. In fact, you knocked down 20 of 27 three-point attempts. I did. In a YouTube video. On video, yeah. <sighs> 20 more than Judd knocked because down. Because after great. Judd went over 27, I got a lot of tweets saying, oh, let's see your videos. So then... Uh, right, so did people know? Now it's on video. To now they know. And say, I, let's I had see how great you are. mentioned that I play a lot, yeah. so I should make a good number of baskets. When alone at the park. Yeah. I don't claim to do anything else well. I just stand behind that three point. Oh, you line. break down. You break yep. down film like a you know what. I am. Uh, well, but, I'm not in life. Like Joe. a what? Oh, I do, okay. I like do other what, good Joe, things what? in life. I can't uh, use the word. Either. On the basketball <laughs> court, break me out if I use the word. I hustle, and then on offense, I just stand over in the corner and hope someone gives me the ball so I can shoot a three. Sure, the elite's like. So here's my question for you, uh, as a as a basketball connoisseur, this notion that ability equals equals negative for the NBA. I would argue soccer is the most predictable sport in the world. It's also the most popular sport in the world. Like if you take away like World Cup matches and tournaments, let's just go to the to the leagues designated by countries. The EPL uh, has been around for twenty two years. Two years. Man U has won thirteen titles. Only five teams have won a title over twenty two years. All the top players are spread over like six or seven teams. League has zero chance. Zero chance to compete at the top of the table. La Liga, maybe the second best league in the world. Three teams have split every championship for 30 years. Has a team not named Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, or Barcelona won the league. And yet, it's booming in popularity. People fill up 100,000 seat venues, 50, 100,000 seat venues. I just don't see, like, I think it's a false narrative to say that the NBA is cannibalizing itself. ...is the one that's not even close to the other major sports, and that's hockey. Mm-hmm. And baseball is slipping a bit, and that's, I would say, second, where you go into the playoffs and you believe that you have a chance. Didn't, like, the Cardinals won, like, 86 games one year that they won the World Series. I think they it was 83, actually. Yeah, they yeah. had just no business being there, but they got hot in the playoffs, and they ended up... And, and there's something to appreciate about that. Um, baseball has had its dynasties throughout, but at least where we are now, you feel like your team has a chance, and there's something to that. Uh, but I don't think in general that it ta- to have uh, a lack of parity hurts your sport. I mean, in college football, we have Alabama that's there all the time. When it comes to college basketball, it's four teams or so. Everyone's like, oh, look at this Cinderella. Okay, for the first couple rounds, but then it's Duke at the end, or it's Villanova at mm-hmm. the end. It's the same teams that have been there a long time. In the NFL, Tom Brady is in the Super Bowl every year. Like, does nobody notice this? It's the same thing. It's the quarterbacks have dominated it over the entire history of the sport, basically. So this isn't really all that different. And that's also one of the reasons it drove me crazy to hear time and time. This is going on in all different sports. So to just say that it's basketball, uh, I would disagree with that. However, we are getting to the point where it's getting tiresome with Golden State. Like, I don't think it's a bigger statement about the league or about basketball in general. I think it's just that yesterday when they signed Boogie Cousins, I feel like, oh, come on, give me a break. That's how I felt about, I I felt that way about Cousins more than I felt that way about Golden State. Like Golden State, of course they're going to float $5 million to a really good player but he might not play. I, I mean, he's c- coming off a torn Achilles. So he'll, he'll play by this January. Is, this, this, is the, this reminds me, now when, when LeBron changes teams or Durant, it changes things drastically. Uh, the boogie thing reminds me, though, of the July 4th uh, first deal. We're bored. Somebody signs. Let's talk about that. Let's hammer that. And then he'll play in 50 games. 
And, and like after a, I think with guys like like him, sometimes we we get very excited when when they sign because we're excited about the process starting, and then they contribute, but it's not. The, but he might not be now. I agree. That's the point. I agree that there's a lot of risk here that people aren't accounting for. Like he might not be the same player. But to say that Boogie Cousins joining the Warriors is like not a benefit to their team. No, would be, it's a benefit. Be it's a benefit. I I think this is one though where we're bored. It's a downtime, and so we're just all say, "Oh, look at what they were last year," which they appeared beatable, and that's what was kind of fun about it when they got into that series with Houston. It was like. Well, maybe Houston could do this, and Houston gets up three two in the series, and then they go they go Judd uh, from three point land in game seven. No, actually, I went them. You went them. I went them. Yeah, you are one in the in same. the Rockets challenge. We are exactly the same. So Ariza just showing hook shots from twenty five feet over his head in the rain. He's in yes. Phoenix now. When you that. got done with that series, you felt like okay, state that no one's ever going to tell us about, but you could kind of see it. There was a really cool stat of entire playoffs. He would not pass Kevin Durant. So it's like, okay, is there a little bit of friction here? What's yeah. going on? And we all knew Cleveland didn't have much of a chance. So that was kind of your championship. You're like, oh man, is there really even going to be one of those? Or are they just going to truck everyone? Or what What kind of friction or trepidation can this team go through Then be human? Even if they end up losing, you want to have at least some drama. And that other teams in the West that are interesting. But they add cousins. It's like, oh, they're just staying that much farther ahead of everyone else. And as a basketball fan, it's kind of frustrating. If one through sixteen, and and forget conferences, I think they would admit that they are as happy as they can possibly be with with the product and with the. the so how would that change things, though? Well, the Eastern Conference the, is going to be, but at the end, you'd have the Golden State Warriors. Sure, sure, but you but you would have a seedings process that that would be absolutely fair. The point being here is if you're the, the league. This is, you've got people today irate about this. That's good. That's great for them. They love that. Mm-hmm. They love people People who say, I'm done with basketball, and I'm done with Golden State, and I'm not go- going to watch them. We'll be turning on TNT at 930 in January to watch them. Yeah, there, there's also, this is another thing that I think people assume that because only there's only four teams that have a chance, let's even say three, because I don't think the Lakers, unless the Lakers were to trade for Kawhi Leonard, the Lakers aren't going to win the championship next year, so... Let's say that Boston, if healthy, Houston, if healthy, and Golden State are the only three teams to win a championship. And people just like draw the line and say, well, then the other 27, then it's all like, why even play any of the other games? And I would say, you're forgetting about the second area where you can sell hope in sports. You can sell championship hope. Your team can win the title. And that's very interesting for three teams in the NBA. And in the NHL, it might be 12 teams. In the NFL, it might be eight teams. But there's the secondary level in sports, too, which is why... Utah fills its arena. Toronto fills its arena. Portland does. It's we're on the right path, Hope. That, hey, I know we can't win a championship, but, man, this Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Ricky Rubio thing is moving in the right direction, and then that might get stale after three or four years. But you have that secondary level of hope, which is, hey, we've got this thing kind of going on the right path right now. And people are interested in that, too. And as you've mentioned, this is the way that the NBA has been for its entire existence. The the thing about this sport that is so great is the best team almost always wins, more than any other sport. If you look at how uh, random the other sports can be, baseball with maybe you got some ground balls, or uh, with hockey, maybe a puck bounces off something and goes in. There's almost no randomness to the NBA. It's if you're better at basketball than them, <laughs> you win. 
And what and what ends up happening then is if you put together the best group of players and they stay together, you win time and time again. And still, the league has survived. We've all gone on. People go to the arenas. They enjoy it. They especially love when LeBron comes in or the Warriors come in and they fill the stadium. So it's it's not like you look at this as the collapse of basketball because an injured Boogie Cousins ended up with the Warriors. It's just... How much longer are we gonna have to have the Warriors up there? Because but that's what it, makes it fun. It, yeah, because right. Houston and, could and be you, coming. You want to see you want to see them get knocked off eventually, and then you would feel like okay, now we can move on to the next era when there really wasn't a dominant team for a little bit of a section there. I think maybe when Detroit wins it, you're like okay, this is fine. But I'm sure if you looked at the ratings, they're awful. They probably and wouldn't the, have been that good. And the Spurs when when the Spurs beat the Nets, they they set a record low. And the Spurs were really good. But I think the only thing that that this league is genuinely concerned about is are our top two or three teams really marketable? And in this case, the answer is absolutely yes. Kyler, have you seen a Bond movie before? A Bond movie? You've, you've seen I've all seen of them. That's all right. We've, the Bond we've, movies. Because yes. Judd's never seen a Bond movie. But, I know, but Judd, you know who Blofeld is, right? The, yeah. the villain from all the early Bond movies? Yep. Like, imagine if you were to start a Bond movie. Now, oh, Blofeld died last movie. There's no villain. <laughs> yeah. And Bond is just like drinking and going to casinos and hanging out. That may, might be fun for a while, but like the, the fact that you have a Blofeld at the start of the NBA season, the last, whether it was LeBron's heat for a while or now that it's the Golden State Warriors, I hate the Warriors. I hate the fact that Boogie Cousins chose the Warriors over the Celtics, but the season is more interesting because I get to root for any team Here's that can you. possibly beat the Warriors to beat the Warriors. The Sunday afternoon game here, when Golden State played and the Wolves won, the arena was absolutely packed, right? And goal, and do you think the Golden State Warriors give a damn? Like, if they win, they win. If they lose, they, they lose. Yet that arena is packed, and the atmosphere was a playoff one, and Wolves fans are going crazy, and the Wolves are playing great, and it was a lot of fun. And that that's what the league wants. And and the fact and Golden State saying, Okay, we're going home. We we lost. And meanwhile, the Wolves and and their fans are like, We just beat Golden State. That makes it fun to me. There is a point where it gets old in any sort of entertainment, though. I mean, if you had James Bond versus the same villain for every one of the 30 films, then we probably would have gotten tired with it. And I know from my own basketball watching, the least interested I've ever been in the NBA in my entire life was Lakers Nets. Just Lakers Nets. This is this is going to be a blowout. But that. But you know what? This is just super boring. I don't care about this at all. The Lakers steamrolled them. It was just who cares? Sure, but that's also because that the Nets didn't have. They had Jason Kidd and Kenyon Martin. The the Lakers and Keith the, Van Horn. Phil Keith Van Horn. Utah. Was Kerry Kittles on that team too? It might be. Kerry Kittles. Keith Van Horn play here. But that <laughs> that Nets team wasn't even a formidable David to the Goliath. Like like David didn't and even have the, a slingshot. He and, just like walked in and was like, uh. And that's the concern. Now the one exciting thing about this upcoming season is that the Boston Celtics will get their two guys back, Gordon Hayward and and Kyrie Irving, mm-hmm. and then you add with them. The, the young players that they had this year that were really exciting. And now you might have a formidable opponent. They might also that, have Kawhi Leonard by the time that. That could also around. happen too. And where that piece falls will be interesting to see what, where the competitive balance ends up. But my point is just when you got to a championship where you felt like, because there was no LeBron playing for the Nets at that time, when you felt like this is just over, I have no reason to watch whatsoever. 
then then it sort of cleared that threshold of, oh, I wonder if someone will knock him off to please someone break up this team because I'm just exhausted yeah. by dumping it into Shaq in the post. I don't disagree with that, yeah. Watching him just back someone down and dump. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out if, because the Wolves don't have championship hope, if we still feel like, <laughs> no. like last year you felt like on the right path hope, no, for sure. No, you don't now. Does it even no, feel that way No, anymore? no, it feels hopeless right now. That's There's no quick. plan. The marriage or the uh, the honeymoon lasted so short with the Wolves. It was yeah. like, Jimmy, we've got a chance. This is wonderful. And then like two months into the season, like, ah. Oh, no, this, this looks chance. weird. This because the head coach yeah. just yells all work. game long. Yeah. It's all he does. The guys weren't rotating. Or switching. Switching. Yeah. Or icing. Carl wasn't Carl. <laughs> he really thing. wasn't. <laughs> no, that's true. Um <laughs> That's Matthew Collar. He's hanging out with us from the Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. Who is the second best quarterback in Vikings history? You had a poll that went like thousands of votes on this yesterday. Let's talk about this. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. I'll be there ASAP. Where you going ASAP? You better be back ASAP. On 1500 ESPN. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. There's a touch of madness around here. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Come on! Football! Football. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! Yes, how did you come up with this, this poll question that went rampant yesterday? The second best quarterback in Vikings history. So I um, wrote an article about the Wild. I was like, ah, oh, that was depressing. I got to do some football. And uh, just started trying to think of, like, I don't want to... I've got a bunch of storylines and stuff for camp. But I don't want to use them all now because it's July 4th. So I'm kind of like, eh, what can we play around with with the Vikings? Started just looking through their history. And I was trying to think, like, who is the second-best quarterback after Fran Tarkenton? And I think there's... A really good debate, and the the, the poll has 3,000 votes on my Twitter with five hours left remaining if you want to go find it. I'll retweet it right now. What are the results right now? The results right now are... Because Don- the correct answer is Brett Favre. Dante Culpepper, 43%. Okay. Brett Favre, 28%. Randall Cunningham, 15 And Tommy Kramer, 14%. So you oh, can't- Tommy Kramer getting left out. Uh, I, you said 15 for for Randall Cunningham? Yeah. So Cunningham and Brett Favre... The, the same thing. Like, they both came in for, like, one year, yep. and then the next year was a disaster. They both went to the NFC Championship game, yep. and both came up short. And Brett Favre, to me, like, it, Randall Cunningham just threw the ball up to Randy Moss the whole season. Right. Brett Favre was more surgical and elevated Sidney Rice. So, between those two, I think all of those votes for Cunningham should go to Favre, which means him and Dante Culpepper are neck and neck. I mean, 15-1, and one, though, for Cunningham. Is yeah, but like, I mean, impressive. He had two of the greatest receivers of all time. Um, it's one of the best offenses to ever take a field. The '98, yeah, and, and he was good. He was good. He was obviously he was very good that season. I'm just saying, Brett Not, Favre in 2009 had Sidney Rice and Vasante Shenko as his weapons. I didn't like the guy personally, but it's Culpepper. Culpepper's correct. I think Culpepper too. That was the conclusion I came to. A three-time Pro Bowler. Um, these other guys played one year, basically, and he's far ahead of Tommy Kramer in what he accomplished in that time, uh, that he was good. It was kind of a short window of being good. Tommy Kramer had one season where he led the league in rating, and the rest of the time, the, the numbers just weren't all that good. There's a lot of people who really love him, 
And I heard I, from them. I love him. But I think Culpepper's resume is better. And he won a couple playoff games, Culpepper did. So I think you put that with the Pro Bowl. He led the league in yards one year. And the year that he led the league in yards, Randy Moss was battling a hamstring injury and only had 49 catches that yeah, year. Nate, I think Nate Burleson had a pop-up year in one of those. 2004, yeah. right? Yeah. 2004, yeah. he was fantastic. Yeah if, yeah, if not for Peyton Manning's existence, Dante Culpepper would have a league MVP under his belt. Right. And so the only reason that Culpepper didn't have a long career as the Vikings quarterback was the knee injury, which tends to happen to every Vikings quarterback. But I think when you... Look at, okay, you had a five-year span. Three of those years are really good. One of those years is unbelievable. I think he also led the league in touchdowns the other year. So, See, there's different ways to attack this question. Because if I framed it, like if you, if you include longevity as a factor, obviously Dante Culpepper was good for like five years, and Brett Favre was good for one year, and Culpepper was good for one year. But if I say, all right, you got one game and you can't choose Fran Tarkenton, you have to choose any other quarterback in Vikings history, Warren Moon might make the conversation. Or Brett Favre before, like, I'd choose Brett Favre at age 40 before I would choose Dante Culpepper at age 27. Yeah. But that, I, but if I knew that, like, Brett Favre was only going to play one year and I got Culpepper in his prime, then Culpepper's the answer. Yeah, I mean, that's the the thing about Cunningham and Favre is if it was just one good season, like, Warren Moon had one good season with the Vikings. It wasn't unbelievable. He was here for three, right? Was, he was here for three, yeah. and one of them was good. Yep. The Cunningham and Favre seasons are just out of this planet good. They're they're incredible, unbelievable. Just the the moments, even when you bring up Favre, that come to your mind immediately. And Cunningham too. It's just the the throw against San Francisco, uh, the the first playoff game against. The seasons Dallas. were magical. I mean, yeah, in both cases. So they were more entertaining seasons overall, and I think those seasons were a little bit better than Culpepper's best, but. Culpepper, I think, was the better quarterback over that section of time. That he had three really good seasons as opposed to one, even if the one season for Favre and Cunningham was a little better. So I'm, I'm going to break this up into three different things. Marriage, girlfriend, affair. <laughs> All right? Married, Tarkington. Is this from experience? No, no, no. This is this is the, <laughs> the history of Viking QBs. Okay. Married, girlfriend, affair. Married, Tarkington. Long-time marriage. You separated for a little while. She moved out east, but then she came back in 72. Did you get divorced, or were you just separated? I think you were just separated. Because it was, was only a few years. He, he was traded That's in... That's a long time. I want to say he was traded in 67 because he, he didn't want, want to play for Van Brocklin. They hired Grant. They still traded him to the Giants. Yeah. I think he came back in 72, so I think he just separated. And But you still talked on the phone, and you still and you loved her, and she came back. So that's Tarkington. Girlfriend, I think, is Culpepper. Because you established it, but you didn't, but, you know, you waited a little while, and you're like, let's, you know, maybe, maybe get engaged. But, but eventually it petered out. But it still had a nice little run, and it had a, a year or two that was fantastic. Affair is Favre or Cunningham. Yeah. And I think... I think if I had to pick the affair, I think it's got to be Brett. Well, I mean, Favre, it was it, so it was so against it broke all the rules. Well, the uh, <laughs> affair applies much more to Favre than Cunningham because, yes. like, if if part of affair is you're stealing you're stealing someone well, and, who was previously married and, and from Wisconsin from too. the cul-de-sac <laughs> like, that you live in, yeah, from the same street. That basically. was your the your, guy who always parks in your parking space. Yeah. Basically. Favre yeah, was your yeah. I'm gonna go somebody get that you guy. don't like. Your fr- yeah, like, but right next door. 
and all of a sudden you're there at 3 o'clock and they're get, getting home at 5, that's the far thing. Now, all the three recent quarterbacks are kind of interesting for this conversation, too, because you have Teddy go 17-11 and 11 as a starter. So he has one of the best win percentages as a quarterback in Vikings history, but we never really saw him entirely fulfill the potential. He got screwed by his kicker. Missing a, a wide left twenty-seven yarder, which Cunningham did too. Who would they have played in that next game if they beat the Seahawks? Arizona. The way that they should have. Oh, they they, could, I think Arizona they would have gone and, and played the Cardinals. Now, then that was the fifteen and one Panthers team coming from the other side of the bracket. So right. they actually had a shot to go to the Super Bowl and probably get drubbed. But if, it, right, and that's the thing with or Teddy. maybe not because that was the pay, crippled Peyton Manning yeah, uh, yeah, season. There, play defense. There, there's a lot of what ifs there because if Teddy Bridgewater has his kicker make the field goal and then maybe wins one more game, they were really hot in the second half of that season. They were playing really, really well. If you end up in the Super Bowl, even if Teddy's knee collapses, you'd still be talking about him as one of the best Vikings quarterbacks ever to get them to the Super Bowl. Then shouldn't Joe Cap be part of that conversation? No, because Joe Cap... (laughs) I got Joe Cap written down here. Oversight by you. He averaged 130 yards a game passing. Yeah, in an era where... I know, I, I factored for that. He was. They were 12th out of 16 teams in passing with Joe Cap. Oh, so it could have been like, worse. He was Trent Dilfer. 1969, 19 touchdowns, 13 picks. See, for, for, you know, that ratio for that, that era is actually pretty good. That was pretty season. Because there's a lot of... We romanticize about, about Joe Namath. Go look at Joe. Joe Namath threw like... 40 more interceptions than touchdowns. But he got all the girls. And and because he predicted a championship yeah. in super, before Super Bowl three. And, and he had, the funny thing about Joe Namath is he has some of the best games in history and some of the worst games in history. So it was really boom or bust with him. But the Bridgewater one will always be what could have been. Because could he have grown? What would he have done last year if he was healthy the last two seasons? Culpepper too, in, right? It, definitely with Culpepper. Like as the team grew and, and so forth. The question with Culpepper Pepper would have been because he he was a big dude who at some point the mobility would have gone away and he yeah. just would have been like a big pocket passer. Would he have been good enough as just a pocket passer, 31, 32 years old? Right. Because remember when he first came in and he would like there was a game where he rushed for three touchdowns, just barreling up into the line of scrimmage from the two yard line. I mean, that was that was how they accumulated offense. Um and so and by the end, obviously his mobility was was his downfall because ACL pops. So then you have your Case Keenum and Sam Bradford that end up in this conversation somewhere because Sam Bradford might be the most talented quarterback, to including including Favre by where, where Favre was when he was forty. You might he might be the most talented as far as just throwing the football, and he got screwed by the offensive line being terrible, and then he had a couple of picks that season, and then he gets hurt, and it's another one where you wonder would. Sam Bradford have been your long-term quarterback. Could Sam Bradford have beaten the Eagles last year? The Keenum thing is, so if we lump Keenum, one year of Keenum, and and the resumes are pretty similar, Culpepper, or not Culpepper, Cunningham, Favre, Keenum. Keenum's in that conversation, yeah. these amazing pop-up seasons, NFC Championship game, performed at at a lower level than they wanted to in those games, right? And then... We'll we'll see what the book says on Keenum going forward, but for the other two guys, that was it. Like their careers were done after that. And that's another one that I included just because of kind of how funny it is of what he was with the Vikings versus what he became, which was Rich Gannon. He had three decent seasons with the Vikings, and they used to pull quarterbacks. They didn't more really often. trust him. Yeah, they, Salisbury was Den- in the didn't mix trust him. I miss that. 
now, now it's like if you're the it quarterback, was great fun. yeah, if you're the quarterback, you're the quarterback. But, but like in the 80s, early 90s, they used to just yank the quarterback. Danny did that quite a bit. <laughs> just he just like, yeah, switched. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, we got Jim McMahon yep. this year. Salisbury's going to start now. Gannon's going to start. Hey, we just acquired Warren Moon. And it, it took a long time, but then Gannon becomes a great quarterback and goes to a Super Bowl. Yeah, did he win an MVP? I think he did. Yeah, he yeah, won an MVP Oakland. award, yeah. Yeah, around 2000. Uh, Josh tweets in, the number one Vikings quarterback of all time is Randy Moss. <laughs> Well, tough, tough to argue. Just throw yeah. the ball to him, and yeah. you the, will... the fact that Favre did it without a really impressive set of weapons. What he did, he made Sidney Rice. I, it would put me it, from for me. It would put him ahead, and it would put him still behind Culpepper because Culpepper had multiple good seasons and really did look like a franchise quarterback at one point. I think. I think for what one year that the most incredible thing I've seen in what, watching this team for a long time now is Favre's year, just as far as, mm-hmm. as QB play goes, because he came back from being hurt and he wasn't just good starting in week three of, up until he threw the pick against the Saints. He was spectacular. And that's where Keenum is out of that conversation, too. I think, I mean, well, maybe with the Cunningham, maybe Keenum is very much like Cunningham, only Cunningham's numbers were just out of this world. Um, because it was so much the supporting cast that helped him that that's what puts Favre ahead of the other Brett, pop-up seasons. Brett Favre made Greg Lewis catch a pass. Just think about that. Like, that catch he made is one of the most incredible catches I've seen, and it was Greg Lewis. Yeah, Favre put Greg Lewis and Sidney Rice and Vasante Shanko all on the map in 2009. It's pretty impressive. Uh, 651-646-8255. Matthew Collar hanging out with us. Pecking order at 10, Jason Stark at 11.30. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. All right, people, let's get ready. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. Enjoy your first 4th of July grill out tomorrow and do it before noon. You can join 1500 ESPN. And Twin Cities in motion for the Red, White, and Boom post-race party. Tomorrow, Father Hennepin Park in Minneapolis. Come out for this Twin Cities summer tradition featuring live music, games, food, drinks, and more. Details can be found at 1500ESPN.com, keyword events. Thank you, Dave. Jason Stark in an hour and a half. Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. He's also an NHL Insider subscriber writer for ESPN.com. Uh, what did you think about the Wilds? Big splash this weekend. Well, Bunch of third and fourth liners. Greg Patterson is good depth. So they is got it, that going for him. That's all I got for you. Uh, yeah, uh, I do you like... shots, come on. Yeah. I do like Greg Patterson. He played 20 minutes a night for the Stars last season, mm-hmm. and he's a guy that kind of followed a little bit just because I covered him in the in the AHL. But, I mean... Yeah, they picked up a bunch of guys that kind of fill out the roster. I think what they're really hoping is that Jordan Greenway and Luke Cunnan are the guys who are uh, significant role players that they were missing last season. When they lost Eric Howla, I think a lot of us just went like, okay, well, Howla was a nice player and whatever. And and then you saw just he was really effective. He was a great skater. He could score a bit, and he could move up the lineup. That's a big skill is being able to move up the lineup if somebody gets hurt. So if you start, say, Jordan Greenway in the third line, but by the end of the season he will have played in the second and first line because people will get hurt throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So it's important to have those depth players. It's important to get somebody like Matt Hendricks who could score you a goal every once in a while. They didn't have that last year. But I don't think that's what any Wild fan was really looking for is – Yes, Greg Patterson and Eric Fair. Yeah. Like, no, you're looking for 
potentially the big deal that changes the DNA of the franchise and hasn't happened yet. I wonder if they are going to be in on the Eric Carlson conversation, though. I wouldn't hold my breath, Matthew Collar. I wouldn't either, but that's what really changed Nashville from just a team to a team that you thought could win the Stanley Cup is when they went out and got P.K. Subban. I think we're going to have to accept the the fact that whether we like it or not, uh, Fenton is going to move slow here because he can. There's no pressure. I mean, Fenton can... Fenton can plan on eventually tearing this roster apart, but it's not like he has to do it by opening night. Uh, the only thing I saw in the, the Hendricks and Fair signings were guys that I think Fenton and Boods are familiar with from their past together. Mm-hmm. And I told Phil this. I do think that those two guys are are signed as much for locker room presence. I think Fenton's probably been told, partially by Boods, this locker room's not great. And and my point about the playoffs is very simple. Getting through the springtime is a pain in the ass, and it's hard as can be. And it takes not, not only good players, but it takes mentality as well. And I don't know that Fletcher ever put together a, a room here where the personalities meshed as as you would want. So I think the Hendricks and Fair signings are as much about trying to to get the personalities right and to try to have guys who might speak up a little bit more. And so I think that's I think that's the start here because they're, they're not big moves and they're certainly not expensive moves, third and fourth line guys. But I think there does need to be a shift in culture here, and I don't know if the Fletcher was going to be the guy to ever okay, do that. If, if he's right about that, what percentage of the Wilds' inability to go deeper in the playoffs is culture slash room slash the wrong leaders versus they're just not good enough. I, I think it's really a, a combination of all the things. Uh, the way the roster was built was a lot on a lot of good players, but flawed players. And usually what happens for the team to win Stanley Cup is they have to have the elite player. You have Alex Ovechkin, who's one of the top players of all time, one of the best goal scorers of all time, and what did he do in the playoffs? Scored a bunch of goals. Yeah. And Sidney Crosby won the last two. Yeah, he's pretty good. Jonathan Taves. I mean, that, that's usually what you have to have to win it, and that's why it is frustrating when your best players are just okay. And that's where, you, if you're the Wild, you want to look to make that move that's going to change everything because with Bruce Boudreau, you have a coach that can win now. You have a supporting cast that's good for if there were a real true superstar player there to guide the team. That's why I bring up Carlson is – you know the Senators two years ago are in the Eastern Conference Final in yeah. a Game Seven because mess. of Eric Carlson. Like that was the only what reason. And Craig Anderson. Uh, well, What's your I package? Mean, I would say whatever it takes. I mean, you're probably you're probably move, having to move someone like Mikel Granlund, which I think people wouldn't want to necessarily do. I have no problem um, with that, by the way. But if you but that's the thing is that he hasn't produced in the playoffs Absolutely. since one series against Colorado years ago. Mm-hmm. And Jason Zucker has four playoff goals in 31 games. And, you know, Charlie Coyle hasn't done a whole every, lot. Every one of those guys who, who we, we got excited about about four years back during that Avs win when, when they beat the Avs in seven, every one of those guys to me is is eminently shoppable. I have no problem shopping them because you got to look at that group and say the sample size now is large enough. You, you've been eliminated in the first round, I believe, for three consecutive years. Mm-hmm. So this is not a, well, we've only made the playoffs a couple times. This is a no, you've been there, you've done that. And so those guys, to me, I'd shop them. So would you have to do something like Zucker, Brodeen, first round pick? For Eric Carlson? And yeah. maybe even Luke Cunning too? 
I would do that in a snap. I just wonder if that's how much you're going to have to give up. Probably. Probably. Which is okay. I mean, the, the, when you're, you've gotten to the regular season, it's fine, and these guys score goals, and I think Boudreaux makes people better offensively, so other players will step in and mm-hmm. perform better than they have. We saw that with almost every player with the Wild. But what you don't have in the playoffs is someone who can just dominate. Mm-hmm. And when you go up against the Winnipeg Jets team that has Mark Shifley and Patrick Line, two of the best forwards in the league, you lose. And they're incredibly tough to play against. And, yep. and, and getting through four series when you never have the best player in the league or the best player on the ice, and your goaltender can be up and down. But when you never have the best player on the ice, it's really hard to win. Usually teams don't. I mean, yeah. you go through since the lockout. It's probably all of history. But I just know since the lockout a little better. I mean, you got Pavel Datsuk. Wins one. You got Crosby. You got the Taves. You got the Drew Doughty, Anze Kopitar. Like these are the teams that always win when you're playing four rounds. And Mikael Granlund is the the best guy you've got now since Parisi is not what he used to be. It's really hard to get there. Yeah. And so I think there is a lot. You said you weren't sure if there was a lot of pressure on him. I think there should be on Fenton. I think there should be a lot of pressure. It'll be some on him. time. Like what if, makes you it, think there's no? Well, we're up against the clock, but like there's pressure in that. They have been to the playoffs six years in a row, and the owner wants to keep pushing forward. Yeah, but I'm but but the point being is is there, there's pressure, but it's not immediate and it's not intense right right now. He has t- he has time to go through the, this roster with a fine tooth comb and make decisions. This is not a this is not his roster and, and and not his guys. But I don't feel like he's under an immediate obligation to dump guys too. I think he's going to go to Craig and say, "I'm going to do what's best for this franchise, but it's going to take a little bit of time." Collar, thanks for coming in. See you, Matthew. Thanks, fellas. Find him Saturday mornings, 10 to question. noon, Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. Pecking order when we come back, and then Jason Stark in an hour and a half, TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Just have to make a little time to do it. On 1500ESPN.